You're watching Deprogrammed. This is the NCF show devoted to fighting back against the forces of ideological conformity, particularly among the young. My name's Harrison Pitt. I'm a senior editor at the European Conservative, and I'm thrilled to be joined today, as ever, by Evan Riggs, who is a freelance journalist, and our special guest this week, Mo Najmi, a writer, podcaster, and social commentator. Now, Mo, you've written quite a bit uh, and spoken quite a bit about you know, parallel cultures and ethno-religious enclaves in Britain. Uh, right now, we're seeing a crisis in the Labour Party over the fate of their, their Muslim voters due to the conflict in the Middle East. Do you think it is likely that we will see the emergence of a, of a distinctly Muslim party in the coming years in, the, in Britain? Um, I think so only in sort of like communal basis, but not really within po uh, politics. Unless we get proportional representation, nothing is happening anyways on that score. Um, and also like most of this comes from, I mean, I know we talk about uh, Muslims, but a lot of this comes from uh, people who are from Pakistan or um, people who are from Somalia, all the impoverished sort of Muslim countries. Yes. Um, their people don't number enough to merit any sort of problem pol politically, yes. but socially, obviously, there is a lot of problems. I see. So you don't think that we're going to see uh, like voting explicitly along ethno-religious lines in the next coming years, in, no. in the sense of there being a Muslim party, but there, there will nevertheless be a a tendency on the part of ethnic minorities to tax to the well, left. There's, on. there's always been, right? So uh, when, you, when you check um, in, in what uh, Rochdale, mm -hmm. all those places and stuff, mm -hmm. obviously they are, they are voting on lines of their, you know, ethnic um, uh, reality sort of a thing and their attachment to the people who are representing. So they vote Labour not because they have an allegiance to Labour, it's because their representation is over there, mm. the people who are there, right? So if, if, let's say, another party comes in, they might vote for that party. Mm. But even within Rochdale, the majority of people are not Pakistani. The majority of people are white British mm -hmm. over there. They're voting for Labour for their Labour reasons, mm. right? So that, that is a problem, mm. right? But if we go a little bit back, right, to the 1960s, of why these people are actually voting for Labour. So the, the, the reason why I'm saying it's, it's, not, it's not a very Muslim thing as such, it's a more of a Pakistani thing, because Pakistanis tend to be, have been here for a while now. They're within certain systems, they're within um, your legal systems, they're within your uh, politics and stuff like that. So they build their roots within mm -hmm. those things. But they have a lot of them have still stayed connected to Pakistan rather mm. than to Britain, right? So that's yes. where the problem happens. So in 1960s, I think so 1965 or 1964, Pakistan in their country towards the Kashmir region, the northern region, yes. they wanted to build dams over there, right? So they flooded over 200 villages in Pakistan. Those people were displaced mm. and they had to be, you know, relocated elsewhere. Labor at that time thought, you know what, it would be a good idea to get all these village people, mm. literal village people, who, can, who could not even integrate into the Pakistani metropolitan cities mm. to come over here and work in the north of England, mm -hmm. right? So these are this is the same Labour Party who is supposed to be pro-working class, mm. right? They got 50,000 of these Kashmiri Punjabis, but they were mainly Punjabis. They're from Mirpur area, like around the uh, Kashmir area to come over here and work in the factories and stuff like that, 50,000 of them re relocated to all over northern Pakistan. Uh, northern, northern England. Pa now Pakistan. England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's what they did, yes. right? And these people were unlikely to integrate. Mm. This is the same region where you have the highest rate of, within Pakistan, highest rate of sexual uh, violence, rape, and on and on and on. And these you're talking about troubles. the Maripuri region. Yeah, like yeah, th yes. those uh, uh, Punjabi regions and stuff. So, and the, the 70 to 80% of the people that, uh, the Pakistanis that live in England mm. are from those areas, mm. right? Yeah. I, I think maybe before we get too deep into mm. the uh, ethnic conflicts inside of Pakistan, mm. yeah. we should maybe point out to our viewers why we're discussing Pakistan this week and what mm. is happening in Pakistan now that is likely just like what happened in Israel and mm. Gaza border a few months ago mm. to impact Londoners and our kind of British mm. viewing cohort. 
What is it that's been going on this past week in Pakistan? Well, they have had the sham elections again, haven't they? So, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a mockery. I, I don't even understand, like, personally, like, okay, maybe mm. viewers should know if they don't already know. Like, my parents are from Pakistan. I've lived there for 10 years. I wasn't born there. Uh, but I don't see that as a serious country, to be honest. Mm. Um, I see that as a country built on stolen lands. And it's funny that they are the ones who cry about Israel all the time while they themselves are on the lands of India. Mm. So sort of like, but that, that apart, they're having elections where they had um, the army, the army with the help of the ruling party right now had captured Imran Khan on whatever basis, whatever. The thing is like, he might not be a friend of the West itself, but that's irrelevant to us. Mm. To, to that country, he's a friend to them in whatever capacity and people chime with him. But because of feudal lords, which you still have in Pakistan, could not have him take control because he's, you know, he has a party for the people. So they sort of like imprisoned him, mm -hmm. you know, and he's still in prison. So his party was uh, made illegal as well. So his party couldn't stand in the elections. So every member of his party uh, stood up as an independent and they still won the votes, right? So it's, it's, it's a miracle because every independent of his party, most of the independent of his party won their votes. So now they are in like loggerheads with the ruling party who put him in prison because both of them can't find majority because the independents have that much of a majority, hmm. right? Why? Why did everybody vote for these people? If they're because so people blind? are fed up. Uh, in Pakistan, people are fed up with these, uh, you know, uh, the party of Nawaz Sharif and, you know, uh, the former Benazir Bhutto's party, the People's Party and stuff like that. They're all feudal lords, right? They want something better for their country, right? And they're fed up of this sort of... These elite, elite struggles. Yeah, it's elite struggles. But it's it's a... From our point of view, we might be in the favor of the people who are going against the elites. Mm. But it's not that clear cut of a situation mm. because most of the elites are the ones who are moderate, religious wise as well, mm. right? But they're also very, very, very corrupted, mm. like highly corrupted people. They're the ones who take money from the aids that America and Britain give them, like, you know. They embezzle it and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so much. So, but the thing is, why should it matter to us? I, I have no idea. Well, I, I can't answer that. I, I don't understand why should it matter to well, us. Well, I, I suppose, I, I, suppose it should, it, I, th I think the answer <laughs> staring us in the face is that it really shouldn't. No. Uh, <laughs> and, but it will. <laughs> <laughs> but it will, and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it, um, it completely undercuts the, the, the mainstream, complacent, cosmopolitan, liberal na narrative mm. that has been abroad in the West for some time, which you mentioned the Labour government of the 1960s. I imagine that Harold Wilson himself was mm. partly captive to this illusion that, you know, Britain is, um, Heathrow is sort of a magic liberal making portal. And as soon as, you know, people fly through the gates of Heathrow, they become as British or as liberal or as cosmopolitan yeah. as everyone else. Whereas what, what's, what's been proven over the last dec few decades or so is that people remain incredibly fervently attached to their ancestral yeah. tribal loyalties. And rather than agitating for them in Pakistan, they will do so here and they will, you know, derail British well, politics. Th this is the reason why I brought up that uh, 1965 blunder by mm. the Labour Party is mm. that this is not a decade-old problem. This is not two-decade-old problem. This is an age-old problem, mm -hmm. which was shown in the 1960s that you get these people in, they are not going to assimilate because mm -hmm. most of them didn't even speak English. They still brought them over here, mm -hmm. right, to displace the working-class people of England because mm. there were gaps in there, mm -hmm. right? So this has always been the problem. I think so it's just maybe people are disconnected from who they are in mm -hmm, Britain. Mm -hmm. uh, not maybe, most, most likely that, that is the problem. And they are looking for easy fixes. Mm. And nobody really wants to do that much mm. apart from complain about it. You know, there's no action to mm. it. Mm. I, I complain about it as well. Yes. But it's not turning into action because action means you actually have to do something about it. Yes. And you were saying, right? you, you, absolutely. And you were saying um, that we're far too, uh, before we came on air, you mm. were saying that we're in Britain, we are sort of so far too cavalier and blasé when it comes to giving, devaluing the meaning yeah. of citizenship. Yeah. Do you, would you like to elaborate on that point? Yeah, a little I mean, bit? Th this, is, this has been my main gripe for a very long time, right? So, and people need to understand this, that I am not ethnically British, obviously, as you can see, 
you know i like you know i have a weird funny accent as well so people <laughs> can understand that i'm not from here right but why did i come to britain right and and from that i want to explain why are different people coming to britain and who should we accept and who should we not accept who should we give to citizenships to and not to i came to britain because i wanted to be british i didn't come to britain for economical reasons i mean you would be an idiot to come to britain in after 2000 for mm. economical benefits mm-hmm. unless you are that dirt poor mm-hmm. right because i, well, I came from canada so it's actually yeah, exactly. been really good for me yeah <laughs> <laughs> so if i actually wanted to move for financial reasons i would have gone to america and mm. i have family in america you know because over there i would have earned more i would have done more and True. stuff But then you have to live in america exactly yeah. that's why i didn't <laughs> yeah but i came over here because i associated with britain way before i came to britain right how so um i read history a lot and mm-hmm. i i because when you are in pakistan so i lived in pakistan for 10 years from the age of 15 onwards mm-hmm. and you know you you're sort of told to hate britain right but if you are curious mind you would look into it mm-hmm. and then if you have a sensible mind you would say well i can't find enough reasons to hate britain mm-hmm. but what i can find is a lot of reasons to admire britain right so you as a country are complaining about british colonialism mm. that's a small freaking island <laughs> that conquered over you you should be ashamed of yourself mm. right and there's a lot to admire of a little island people conquering the whole world it's like what can you not admire about that mm. and not just that that they have given the world everything that we have in the modern world has come from that right from from england mainly within britain from england it has come mm. right so I, i didn't understand how can you hate but that was the same reason why i left islam as well a while back because muslims indoctrinate their kids to hate jewish people right and not uh, more so like pakistanis are the worst with that every single problem that they have in their country is because of the non existent jews that live over there right <laughs> so it is everything is to do with israel for some reason right yeah and i whatever my makeup was as a person i just wasn't inclined to hate people whom i have never met mm. never interacted with it just didn't sit right with me mm. and my own childish interpretation of islam at that time as well was sort of like oh it seems against the core of the message of islam that mm. you're trying to give right but obviously i further found out that the reasons why i left islam was because that is the core of the message it is a warmongering ideology but apart from that i I left Islam because they like one of the main reasons was because they kept on telling me to hate Jewish people. And when you look into it it was like, well, but these people against all odds keep on achieving good things. Hmm. You know, keep on overachieving. Why should I hate them? Hmm. Right? So that's the same reason why I love the Japanese as well. You drop two nuclear bombs and mm. within 50 years they're there. Yeah. <laughs> Better than all their neighbors. So like how can you hate such people? It doesn't matter if the ideology is also applied to the Germans even though they didn't get nuked. Um I don't think so they achieved anything. The Germans. Germans. Yeah, it's the biggest economy in the world. Look, having a, I don't think so having economy like a good economy or stuff like that is an achievement, hmm. right? That's because of where you are, your happenstance or what decisions that you've made. But if you look in Germany, if you go into germany and work in germany and stuff like I that i lived there for a year which is why yeah. i ask so yeah. the thing is over there people are following orders right people oh, yeah. <laughs> there's very less innovation going on over there and that tells me it's not a success hmm. compare that to japan very innovative exactly that's the point it's interesting right anyone can follow orders hmm. you know and germans are good with that on there it's <laughs> very true and giving them yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So, but uh, so I digress. No, I no. Well, this, like, this is. I don't know where I went with what I was saying. <laughs> Can I ask you what might be a provocative yeah. question? So I'll, I'll tell a little story here first mm. to get to that. Um, when I first came to the UK, I was not aware that it's uh, frowned upon here to carry a knife on you. Mm. I, I always mm. carried a pocket knife on me since I was like 15. Yeah. Like my dad gave me my first one. I used to be mm. a firefighter and a bartender, so I yeah. used it like every yeah. day. Mm. I carried a knife on me for. 
uh, I guess it'd be 13 years straight, mm. every day. Mm. Came to UK, was carrying a knife, um, ha had an incident where I was at the airport. Obviously, you can't fly with it wherever, but like, they're yeah. like, oh, no, not only are we going to take this, like, you're going to have to speak to the police. Mm. We talk, sorry, are we talking about a pocket knife or yeah, sort of like a, a kitchen like a pocket knife? knife. It wasn't okay. like a giant machete. It was right. waving around yeah, in yeah. Heathrow. Um, no, just like a little pocket knife. That's something I would be doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I ended up having to go into this room with these like three police officers, and they're like, "Don't worry, you're not mm. in trouble. We have to like go through the yeah, procedure, yeah. whatever." And they gave me this like like identity card, and the and the cop literally was like, mm. "I identify as white British. How do you identify?" Mm. And I like looked, and there was like yeah. forty different things yeah. on it. it. Was like, yeah, gypsy, Irish mm. traveler, mm. white British, all this stuff, and I was like. I would say I'm like white Canadian. Yeah. yeah. You know? And yeah. I and I didn't see that, so I was mm. like, uh, white? And he's like, great, mm. checked it off. Just because we're, we're kind of jumping all over the mm. place here. Yeah. And, and, and I think yeah. that identity and ethnicity is yeah. very important in this conversation. <clears throat> How would you identify yourself um, today, like living in Britain? British? If I, if I gave uh, you the card. Yeah, I, I would Asian British. Right? Asian British? So, there's a reason because I do not like Pakistan, right? Hmm. So if. Uh, it is my heritage. I understand the point of, like, you know, where I've come from. But I wasn't born over there, and I'm not assimilate. I never assimilated into their culture, right? And that was the main reason as well why I left. Like, I don't think so. it's mutually beneficial to live in a country, whether you agree with them or not, if you're not accepting their culture. Whether we, we say, like, Pakistani culture is not good or bad, mm. but it's their culture, right? So if I don't assimilate into the culture, I don't think so. I have a right to call myself Pakistani, hmm. right? So just because of my ethnicity doesn't mean that I'm a Pakistani. Okay. So right? the reason so, I ask this is because when we had Andy Noe in here, the race riots in hmm. France were just happening. And I, I tried to make the point to Andy where I was like, I think it's very, it's very hard on the people who like want to move to France hmm. from wherever yeah. and be French, yeah. but who's kind of like co-ethnic kin hmm. or people who hmm. be roughly lumped into yeah. their same identity or identity yeah. category are causing all these problems because they're like i just want to go along to get along yeah. i just want to yeah. contribute and yeah. be a part of britain do you find that's like actually offensive to you when you see no, these I, kind of things and you get lumped in with it um i find it frustrating but not for myself but i i get angry at british authorities rather than myself hmm. because who is allowing them to come over here not me right right it is the our liberal elites who have lost a sense of themselves mm. who are allowing them, right? So this is well that a message that I want to put across that we need to divert our anger and our frustrations towards where the changes can be made from, mm. right? It's not going to be... Look, okay, let's go even deeper, right? All of the problems that we're seeing right now, they are symptoms, right? Immigra mass immigration problem, crimes from them, Islamism, Marxism, all of these problems, the, the can't get doctor points, whatever, these are all symptoms, right? And we are going after them all the time, right? Without curing the root cause. The root cause is the loss of British traditionalism. Hmm. That is the root cause. Hmm. The, we have a set of people that are that we're saying is a nation. A nation is not a nation unless it knows itself, unless it is rooted in something mm -hmm. and everyone agrees on what it is about, mm. right? This is the disjoint that we're seeing in America as well, where we they can't even agree when it was made independent, right? Well, yeah, I was, uh, and, the Super and now Bowl in, in was Britain, last night, yeah. and I was like, they've got a black, black nationalism. nationalism. You can't have a country with two nationalisms. No, mm. and, and what are we doing now? In BBC, we're putting out these uh, messages that, uh, you know, the black people were over here, always here, whatever mm. like that. You are disrupting. Building Stonehenge. This yeah, is, This is exactly. a slightly, potentially controversial point, but like, to what extent are we, like, by putting all of our eggs in the assimilation basket and saying that there needs to be much more of an emphasis on the assimilation, uh, it seems to me, Mo, that like, you are a very unique case. You're, like, you, you are someone who has, as it were, flown the perch of your, tri of your tri mm. tribal ancestral identity and have opted into a, 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 a new one. And that's a very rare thing. Like, most human beings don't have it in their power 
to fly the perch of their of their yeah, of their tribal identity. Yeah, and they should not be given citizenship. Indeed, otherwise. but indeed, but I suppose the the point is is that because so the one point that you've you've made before, and I think it's completely mm. correct, is that so long as Pakistanis live in parallel yeah. communities in this country, they will hold views and allegiances yeah. that are just completely abhorrent yeah. to, to those held by native Brits. But is it even possible to do assimilation on such a vast scale, given the inherent tribalism of human nature? No, the thing is, like. So. Uh, we don't need to, right? So we, we should have a project of assimilating integration, yeah. having to speak the language and whatnot. Yeah. But you cannot go into people's mind and change their mind, right? Okay, yeah. now let's take it away from Pakistan and like even... More broadly. Uh, Czech France, right? Well, Say France, that sorry. Oh, France. Yeah. Czech France, uh, if someone has a dual nationality with France, right? Mm. So right now they might be saying, oh, it's okay to have a dual nationality with France, but, you know, Britain and France have been at war for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. It's not a friendly country to Britain itself, mm -hmm. right, historically. Mm -hmm. yes, so how can you have competing, Indeed. Uh, you know, yes. sort of loyalties yes. to it? So the, the problem happens is, regardless of assimilation and uh, integration or whatever, we should have a policy of no dual nationalities. So we have to go on the root causes, what is causing these mm. problems, not just like because Pakistanis are causing problem right now, we're talking about it. Mm. This should have been talked about regardless I of anything. I completely agree with you. Like, so, there, there's a, right? so we can give, like, we can give yeah. people, because a lot of people say, when I say this, I always have this point, uh, people are saying, oh, but uh, I have a uh, nationality from Denmark, yeah, yeah. and there's a friendly country. It's like, yeah. Now, yes. right now, what if, it, what, what, if there, what if there's a conflict in a hundred years? You know, and what, no, it, it's a different situation because if Britain goes weak, mm. right, we have a separate situation mm. now. We have a different enemies now. We have enemies who want to conquer us. All in Islam, we have an mm. enemy who wants to conquer us. All countries and all host populations have a vested interest in making sure that not too large a proportion of their population is semi-citizens. Yeah. Like, you want people to be full citizens. And yeah. if I could just make one very quick point. Like, uh, T.S. Eliot, in, in one of his... Um, mm one of his books, um, lesser, one, of his, one of his lesser known works, it's called Notes Towards a Definition of Culture. He actually gives a very useful definition of integration. He, he defines integration as a, as a process whereby new members entering into something become mm. a completely indistinguishable mm. from the old ones. Yeah. And so a really good test of whether integration has taken place is whether you notice any significant differences. Yeah. So for, so for example, people will talk, liberals will talk about how we've always been a nation of immigrants, look at the Huguenots. My, the question I always ask in response to that is, where are they? Like, yeah. Where is the Huguenot community? Where are the, where are the yeah. demands for more Huguenot actors? Where are the yeah. demands for more Huguenots to be represented at the BBC? It's precisely because they have assimilated and become indistinguishable from the original members. There yeah. is no sort of Huguenot Brits. Yeah. They're just Brits and they've, they've assimilated into the majority and yeah. therefore that it doesn't cause any mm. ethno-religious strife or anything. Like that. I, I think so. The, the thing I would add over there is when, when people look at integration, assimilation, or even what it means to be British, right? Because that, that question gets asked. Mm. What, what is being British anyways? We're looking at aesthetics. We're looking at oh, how a person is dressing, what they're eating, because these are the things that are coming up. Um, mm -hmm. How you dress doesn't make you British. Mm. What you eat doesn't make you British. Mm -hmm. You know, Whatever, how you fought doesn't make you British. Right? <laughs> it, it, these things don't make you British. Being British or a, of any nation yeah. is a disposition. Whether you have a disposition, your spiritual disposition, does it belong to that national identity Ooh. or not? So you are, you are inherently, you have an inherent disposition towards a particular nationality, right? Mm -hmm. So we can have every kind of English person being English, but being very different from each other, mm -hmm. from from the people in London to the people in Bristol to the mm -hmm. people in Cornwall to mm -hmm. the people everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. But they have an inherent disposition to be of that country. It's not yeah. their, the, the way that they dress themselves, the way that they speak. It, can, that doesn't make can, it. Can I, just to drive the precision mm -hmm. on the definition, because I think it's a useful one. Uh, like. I, you, could you expand a little bit on what you mean by disposition? Because one of the one potential problem I see with that is that let's say let's go into an important period in British history, the Civil War. I mean, I mean, people were incredibly divided at that time, and it, I think it's fair to say that Oliver Cromwell and Charles I had incredibly different dispositions at that time, ideologically speaking, religiously speaking, constitutionally speaking, politically speaking. Yet they would still both be Brit British, or in that context, I suppose England would make it would make more sense to call them both 
English? Like, is it possible? I suppose what I'm saying、mm. is it possible purely to locate identity in terms of the values you hold? It seems to me that it's something a little bit more immediate than that. I think it's your nature, like, and and that nature is so inherent,、mm. built up, like, because even when people are politically in opposition to each other.、Mm-hmm. They will still have a nature to them、mm-hmm. that would be inherently of that country,、mm-hmm. right? So even when you have that big of a conflict between the left and the right,、mm-hmm. when you just take out all the other ethnicities, take out but only、uh, talk about the native population,、yes. right? If you take out the 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 politics away from from their mind、mm-hmm. and you sit them in the room,、mm-hmm. they will act in similar ways. Yeah, this is why I talk about Singapore、mm. so much. Is because you only have to get really litigious、mm. when all those sort of baseline assumptions have been worn away, as、yeah. the Americans are now learning.、Mm. And, 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 and that's on a lesser lesser scale. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.、Um, One of the questions I'd like to ask you, go, going back to Pakistan, is I've got these numbers in front of me that I was reading right、mm. before the show. And I want to ask, why do you think that there's so many more Pakistanis? Based on this, which was year of arrival in the、mm. 2021 census, there's 1.57 million Pakistanis in England. There's 17,000 Wales, and there's 49,000 Scotland, 1.5,000 in Northern、mm. Ireland. Why is it England? Why is everybody well, coming to England? That's why I brought up the 1960s because、hmm. we invited them over here, right? So the Labour Party invited 50,000. People from a particular region to come over here, which means their future generations、mm. are going to come over, or other people around that area. They will, they will, go, they will go to where there is already a, a setup. Yeah, the, yeah, that's why you、mm. see the population of Pakistanis, not just Pakistanis. Okay, so if we talk about Pakistan, Pakistan is not an ethnicity like I was talking about before.、Mm. There are various ethnicities within Pakistan. So these people who are mostly in the north, and the, which the labor bought, they were from Punjabi ethnicity,、mm-hmm. right? That's why if you go in the north, most people think the national language of Pakistan is Punjabi, but it's actually just the national. It's just the mother tongue of one province. Yes, Urdu is the national. Yeah, language. Urdu is the national yeah, language, yeah. which not there's a lot of Pakistanis who don't speak Urdu as well. Yeah, you know.、Um, so Enoch Enoch Powell would be more Pakistani than them in that case because、yeah. he, because he did speak Urdu and used to converse in Urdu with some of his Wolverhampton constituents. That's the thing, like、yeah. especially if you go in the north of Pakistan, some of them like they speak Pashto and they might speak English.、Mm-hmm. They don't speak Urdu. The reason I bring this up is because, but th- this is the sorry, this is the reason why I'm saying like they're here more、mm. is because we invited them in hordes to come over here, and they ha- they are living in places which are not、um, that. Similar to their climate as well,、mm. to their environment as well, because、exactly. they only came over here for economical reasons, not because of the love of the country. Right, and they haven't spread, so it doesn't matter if actually you well, invite a bunch. Why would they? Why would they? Because they, they can the build their tribe, right? So、mm. they can build their tribe and consolidate.、Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So human nature, exactly. And, and, and they I mean, are from tribal areas,、mm. right? So these people are from those tribal areas, and they go back. How they maintain is a lot of these peoples have not integrated even through marriage、mm. within England, right?、Mm. So they go and get their wives from Pakistan,、mm-hmm. and you see how you, they you get a, you get a, it's called、no. you get a process of chain migration. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it, but I would I mean the point I'm trying to make is these people have been here for sixty years and they haven't even gone to Wales, really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, why?、So、I, like I, they're, I must they're, confess. They're stick, I must confess, I've not been to I've not been to Wales. I have、either. also not been. For, <laughs> To Wales, but I've only been here for 15 months and not 60 years. And so I'm、yeah. saying is like, you, you get these these pockets, these enclaves,、mm. let's say. And what I what I want to do is I want to make a parallel to Pakistan because you have these different、mm. ethnic groups and、yeah. different enclaves throughout、yeah. the country.、Mm. Yeah. And what I want to ask from your personal experiences, if you are let's say five percent of a country, ninety five percent of it is very different from you,、mm. even if you're still part of the same country.、Yeah. That five percent does that sort of intergroup. Identity, oh, interethnicity,、yeah. that becomes much stronger, doesn't yes, it? It becomes a diamond、yes. under the pressure,、yeah. and I think that's very important for people to understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, again, too, the Canadians are actually learning、mm-hmm. that now because they've imported a lot of people、yeah. in the last, let's call it five years,、yeah. and now they're having issues, much like it's and, been happening. And one of、London. the natural results that, of that as well is that counterintuitively, perhaps, despite the fact that these people are their GPS location is、mm-hmm. Britain, they they're probably more fervently Pakistani, partly as a result of that diamond making process that Evan's talking、yeah. about. Then 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 actual Pakistanis. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. this is a very important point actually, because when I was growing up, like my parents would always say, 
or or people around me would always say when mm. we were in in Karachi that mm. people the Pakistanis who are in in England are more islamist yes yeah than exactly. the people in Pakistan because or more outwardly like Pakistani but people in Pakistan mm. used to make fun of them because mm. they would come with these fake accents that mm. they have you know assimilated with right yeah. which is not neither english neither i don't know what the hell that accent is anyways but they're not saying anything of substance they're just going after aesthetics mm. which i was talking about mm. because if you don't understand the spiritual disposition of a nation mm. you are only going to assimilate to the aesthetics of a nation and think yourself as it becomes perfect. a pastiche it becomes you know. yeah it, it's it's nothing like you know it, it has no substance yeah. to it it's right? just a blue jacket and you're just buying yeah. for 300 you're, you're, quid you're exactly yeah. you know yeah. so these people were more extreme up became more extreme maybe because also they were apart from their country mm. right mm. So, and they wanted a connection so yeah. you can understand that as well and i have to say like you know not all pakistanis are bad like you know we have to put this caveats in mm -hmm. because it would I would have to assume that I am bad as well. Mm. Right? So I am myself an example that not all Pakistanis are not the same. Mm -hmm. And that's because people probably don't know that there are so many varying ethnicities mm. in Pakistan. They speak different languages. They have their completely different cu cultures. They interact with the religion ways differently as mm. well, with Islam itself. Uh, they associate with Pakistan in different ways, right? So, but we have one majority ethnicity of Pakistanis in England mm. and that is people from Punjab mm. these these people like now obviously people do all from Punjab are it's gonna say I'm racist anyways because there is a problem between my ethnicity within Pakistan which is the Mahajars who are literally translated as migrants who came from India mm. uh, at the time of partition mm -hmm. our our language is Urdu actually our mm. uh, mother tongue was Urdu so <clears throat> there's a conflict between the Mahajars and the rest of the Pakistan, mm. especially with the Punjabis, who Punjabis still call Mahajars Hindustani, meaning mm. from India. Yeah, they yeah. still haven't accepted yeah. them, right? So, mm. so people might say, like, I'm being prejudiced against Punjabis. But yeah. you only have to look at the numbers of the crimes committed, the kind of crimes committed within Punjab. They are the top rank. Them and the Sindhis are the top ranking uh, ethnicity within Pakistan when it comes to sexual offenses yeah. and stuff. Why? Why is it different? Well, I think so. That has to do with their tribal problems and stuff. Because mm. so there was a case. Um, there was a case a while back of this woman within a tribe, and this is with like those Kashmiri sort of tribes as well, mm -hmm. from where people have come, right? So she, like, there was a disagreement with her brother, right? This tribe had a disagreement with her brother. They, they took her brother somewhere. They raped him, right? Gang raped that a boy. He was like 12 or 13 years old. And then they said that, he, and this is a very, very famous case. Um, wait, let me check if I have the name somewhere. It's such a famous case of something. I think so. I might have it somewhere. But either, either way, like, um, no, some other. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But what, what happened was, like, they had a tribal disagreement with each other, right? And they, they raped that boy. That boy filed a case against them, right? So they said he was having an affair with their daughter, their, their daughter or someone yeah. from their tribe. So even though they raped the boy, they started blaming him yeah. for... Uh, there was nothing like that happened. Yeah. But they said they have already established that tribe that that had happened. So what is in their tribe is that if you do them wrong like that, then they are allowed to rape your woman then. Mm. Right? So they took his sister and they gang raped her when she went to fight for the case in the tribal courts uh, for her brother. They raped her then and there. Mm. They took her to a hut and they raped her. Right? And then she filed a case against them. And th this was such a stigma in Pakistan that it was during the time of, uh, I think, Sir General Musharraf as well. He tried to hide it. The president tried to hide this news from coming out because he didn't want it a bad case, Pakistan, right? People can look up this case in more in detail. I'm, I'm not remembering it properly, but it shows the mentality, the tribal mentality of particular areas, right? Where rape is 
are normalized as a justifiable punishment mm. for doing something wrong even though the person that you raping is just guilt by association it's a weapon in tribal blood feuds basically exactly that right and which, are, not, in, which are endemic in that yeah, in that region it's not just uh, associated with punjab it's associated with a lot of balochis as well they do it uh, and mm. in sindh as well that that happens the thing is you don't get that many statistics coming mm. out of balochistan <laughs> that's why you think like maybe punjab is the highest crime rate but the thing is whatever the ethnicities in pakistan there is a general problem with that and it's one of, it's one of the things that i find uh, uh, ironic about it is that there like there's such an emphasis in our educational system today and I, uh, on being cosmopolitan on being interested in the yeah. world and being global but in fact like the the this the next generation of let's say soas graduates mm. people coming out of soas thinking that oh gosh i'm yeah. i'm so interested in world cultures they mm. won't know any of this stuff like no. they, they like they they think in their clumsy categories of like su- like you know brown subaltern like black african they think in these mm. very but they, and this these categories completely mask the many of the divisions which exist within those communities yeah. whereas what 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 the kind of people like sir william jones who, who was in who was in india looking at artifacts and even people like enoch powell who was incredibly interested mm. as a, as a, mm. and as a scholarly matter in yeah. the in the subcontinent mm. they would have they 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 will be dismissed as patronizing orientalist yeah. and racist but they, they would have known far more about no, they, the they the intricacies more, the yeah. intricacies of these cultures yeah. than many of the people who profess a kind of fake virtue signaling cosmopolitanism today but you see why, why does that happen because everyone in britain is taking information about pakistan from people who are over here mm. including myself right so yes why should we trust you exactly <laughs> you shouldn't right Indeed, yeah. but no but that that is that is the point we taking like okay i i have this own pakistan yeah. from my own life that that's something else but why should we take the word of people who mm. are invested still in their pakistani identity mm. about what pakistan is why would they tell you about any of these things mm. Mm. right why did the president try to hide her case mm. yeah it could it's not malicious it's just instinctive mm. right so if there's something wrong like british people brits are way unique in pointing out their own bad things yes prominently not many countries do there's that there's a culture of self criticism yeah exactly mm. so we won't be able to ad- we, we will admit if there's something wrong has happened eventually eventually you know, yeah. you know as it happened when the time allows right yeah, you know yeah, yeah. but instinctively no one else would do that mm. if they are still that much invested in their own national identities yeah you know sort of the tribal allegiance become comes before yeah. the, the openness yeah. or... I want to ask you a very um controversial question and it's based on a BBC report in case anybody wants to call me a conspiracy theorist or extremist from a few years ago stating that 55% of all marriages in England between Pakistanis were because of marriages right yeah yeah um Yeah. This is this is something like when you, when when I tell Americans or Canadians or people who are not from Britain about the rape gangs. Yeah. They literally look at you as they're like you yeah. you like you you yeah. finally lost you, you, it Evan yeah. you've gone yeah. beyond the pale and I'm like yeah. no 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 no. Sort of joke. that actually happened. Yeah. That's yeah. very very real. Yeah. I'm not making this up. The the cousin marriage thing again yeah. is actually acknowledged 65% not 55. Whatever the number yeah. may be you would know better than yeah. I but This is acknowledged by the BBC this is acknowledged by the government in- acknowledged and- by Pakistan itself so exactly. I don't and know. I have uh not a large amount of experience but probably I would say more than your average mm. sort of Canadian mm, mm. immigrant um about the Middle East and it, it is a problem within the Middle East yeah. that, pe- that yeah, people yeah. will talk about yeah and I wonder there's two questions to this a how bad is this problem in Britain and b why is it that despite the fact that this is acknowledged by like the government mainstream outlets governments within the middle mm. east all these different things does even the right within the uk shy away from it i uh, think so it's just uncomfortable questions isn't it like the people over the years people have given merit to being comfortable and avoiding discomfort in conversations right and this is another root of our problem um we just don't want to talk about these things we rather push them under the rug let the next generation deal with it or let's just not talk about it like mm. they'll just turn liberal eventually mm. and that that sort of attitude is there so the the cousin marriage problem happens in pakistan and in the middle east because the religion allows it 
right? Muhammad married his yes, cousin, didn't he? Exactly. Oh, yeah. he married a lot of people, right? So <laughs> he married a six-year-old girl and consummated his marriage with a nine-year-old, but we're not supposed to talk about it. You know, so not a model character, right? So, but the thing is that it's allowed within Islam. Hmm. And uh, little digress, the things within the Quran that are written, uh, if you read the Quran, is it not in chronological order as it's written? It was uh, compiled after the death of the Prophet, so they mix and match those things, right? So, and uh, the Quran is the direct revelation of what Muhammad was saying, so people were writing down. So this is not like Bible when other people have put their thoughts in and like you know t told the stories and stuff. This is the literal. It's a unity. It's, it's a it's a it's a unity. As, yeah, as a exactly. Yeah. So, but they uh, when they compiled the Quran, they didn't compile it in chronological order. But when you uh, read the Quran and understand, like before a surah begins, where was the things what led to that surah was always something that he wanted to do himself and lo and behold there would be a justification for it right so if he wanted to marry his cousin there would be a justification for it mm. why allah says it's okay to do it right so mm. that's why it is in quran mm. like these sort of things mm. so when it is allowed in religion i don't think so you can blame the people that much if they're not if they are deeply religious or they are conservative or they believe in their religion i don't know how much you can blame the people for following the edicts of islam itself because if they question it because it's a literal word of god it's not even like an interpretation yeah. mm. right but in the modern age to be fair to pakistan there's a lot of charities within pakistan that are working for it and they're trying to tell people like this is not good yeah, again, be doing I, I really want to make the point that like this is not considered a, a controversial behind the pale topic within no, the Middle no. East because people, I mean, in back, you know, back in the day, people didn't realize like this will like fuck up your bloodline essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, I mean, you can even look at like Iceland, which yeah. has because it's such a small kind yeah. of interconnected they will country, they've got this that. app. Right. This is going to be something that has to come to the Middle East to to stop this practice. Yeah. Mm. So the point I'm really trying to make is like. This is not considered uh, a, a, an egregious topic within the countries yeah. that we're talking about. Yeah, but, but where, in from Britain, where, from which nobody will point no, it out. Which pockets within Middle East is not an aggrieved topic? The well, educated class, yeah. right? The ruling educated or the elite class, they don't have a problem with bringing this up because they want to move people away from it. Mm. The same thing happens in Pakistan. In Pakistan, most of these charities and stuff would be in Karachi or Lahore, Islamabad, like the, the three big metropolitan places where people are more educated, people are more aware of things, people are more moderate. That's why I didn't see cousin marriages around my family, right? That never happened. Very thankful for that. You know, that I could maintain my IQ levels. <laughs> but, you know, it's because we come from, like, it's the environment that you come oh, from, yeah. right? And the same thing like why people around me in karachi when i was growing up would find rape gangs abhorrent mm. like absolutely abhorrent and these are all pakistanis right they would mm. not agree with this at all it's because of the people in karachi are different to the other kind of people mm. people in, in lahore would not agree with that as all well. people in islamabad these metropolitan areas where people are more educated and more aware of it mm. right mm. they are the ones raising from it Again, I bring up that point of 1960s. What kind of people did we bring in mm. England? You know, people from that region, mm. exactly. Primarily. So why would they oppose cousin marriage when it is their custom? Mm. Can, right? can you? So, you didn't see it within your own family, um, but can you elaborate on how this topic is dealt with within Pakistan and the effects that it actually has on people if you marry your cousins for a couple I didn't generations? Know, I didn't know this was a thing hmm. till I came to England and saw these topics. That is a headline in itself, yeah. isn't it? I, I, yeah. I wasn't aware. I was aware that people marry their cousins sure. and stuff, obviously. I had some friends who were like... Um, who, who had a big family name and stuff and they kept it in the family or whatever. Sure. I always found it out like, you know, and I thought like these people are very far and few. So mm. it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't even aware there's a concern. Mm. Same with the rape gangs and sex, uh, sex, whatever um, crimes that they're doing. I wasn't aware that this is a thing that Pakistanis usually do. 
Mm. Uh, at least the elite class don't do it mm. because it wasn't, you know, and I wasn't aware that it was so endemic within um, the Muslim societies, Syria, Iraq, you know, uh, Pakistan, uh, Somalia, and those, I, I wasn't aware. I thought like, this sh when I was a Muslim, I thought that this should be against everything that Islam mm. stands for. Mm. But again, like, you know, you start knowing about your own religion, then you understand how it like justifies mm. it. But even if we link something like that to, because uh, this is why I'm saying like some of the things are ethnically related, some of the things are religiously related. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm bringing other ethnicities Indeed. along with it, with Syria, Iraq, and, and Somalia. And it's a point that's often yeah. missed for people who just want to talk about Islam in Britain. Yeah. You, you need to go into, into, yeah, into more subtle details. You need to go details. deeper, right? Yeah. So, it, in Finland, so I have a friend, uh, Antar Yasa, He's a Finnish journalist. He has been suspended indefinitely from Twitter, mm. right? Uh, he was revealing Islamist activities within Finland, their Islamist mosques and stuff. People might not know that the highest rate of ISIS uh, fighters are from Finland, mm. right? They are the ground for creating these extremists. And he has been revealing them again and again. Mm. He, he revealed this guy, um, he was some sort of toy smuggler who was smuggling toys, toys like, you know, getting money from people, aid money and smuggling toys to the Syrian ISIS people and stuff like that. And he only got, he, he revealed the whole thing against him. He only got jailed for two years. Mm. And then that guy countersued my friend. Mm. And he had been dealing that for seven years because he said, you're defaming me as an Islamist. And they court, the Finnish court said, yeah, you're defaming him, yeah. pay him 10,000 euros, right? He had to pay 10,000 euros to the terrorists, right? The reason why I'm saying this is this, what this guy was telling me that there are pockets of people that are coming from Syria and Iraq, and there's 5,000 girls that they have raped and groomed. In they, Finland. In Finland. Finnish this, girls. And nobody knows this, right? Not many people know this outside of Finland, that there's a sex grooming gang within Muslim sex grooming gang within Finland, right? And those are mainly comprised of people from Syria and Iraq, mostly from Syria. I think so, there is a, now people on the face of it would say like it's Muslims only, but something else makes me think maybe it's a more ethnicity, because if we go way, way, way far back, when the Islamic colonization of India happened, when Mohammed bin Qasim came with his army and con started conquering uh, India through the Sindh province. He came with 6,000 soldiers. Those 6,000 soldiers were from Syria, right? So is it like ethnically something, something within the Syrian Arabs or something like that, that they are more, you know, uh, prone to doing that? Because those are the same people who assimilated into the Indian culture. Mm and then became Muslim and stuff, and then eventually that's where the Pakistanis and stuff, yes. a lot of them come from, from Syria and Iraq, way, way, way far back, okay. right? There could be a connection. It could be a connection. Nope, like, it could be just a conspiracy theory, but <laughs> the, the, we, have to, we have to acknowledge two things, that there, there is a, because it happens within India as well, right? So this is not just a Pakistani thing. The, the rapes and the, the level of malevolence when it comes to rape, because they try to relate rape to, oh, there's more white people that rape over here. And obviously, there's more white people. Like, the likelihood of that happening is always going to be more, right? Mm -hmm. But what they are committing is not rape. It's systematic. Mm -hmm. and, but, and people are in on it as well. It's not just as, like, not that it makes no, it any, any yeah. better necessarily, but just, it's not one person, one lone wolf acting as a rapist. It's sort of every, the whole family yeah. is, is in on it. The whole family is rubber stamping yeah. it. And they would, the, the family would... Would, would um, you know, would uh, protect, would hide protect, hide him and protect and him from the police. And then there's lawyers as well. That's yeah. the thing as well that we have a problem with. Like these Pakistani lawyers who are getting these people in who are illegal mm. or uh, who have committed these crimes and they are hiding the, their crimes, mm. right? So there's a whole system of things going on. There's so many things that you have to figure out within it. But underneath it is the religious aspect that in, in a weird way, Islam allows it. Mm. Islam allows you having sex slaves, but it allows it within a war 
scenario. Uh, yeah. But then when you cons- if you in your mind you say like oh we are in a war yeah. constantly, then yeah. you can justify things like that. So if if there is a religion like again with the cousin marriages to your question where I diverted so far away, but it's part of the point. Part of the point of this yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> when Islam allows it, I don't. I don't see how you can, because they they are doing these they are doing these charities are doing these things within Pakistan as well. They're trying to push people away from these backward sort of ideologies. Mm. Mm. I have always have the same problem with them. It's like how far you can convince people. The only way that you can convince them is if they knowingly disobey God. Mm. Yes. Okay, I'm just gonna basically make the same point again because it kind of astounds me within uh, the, the Western tinged conversation mm. on this. It's like people like say, like, people will say about this conversation, like this is Islamophobic. It's like, I literally know no. devout Muslims who look at these problems and are trying to stamp it out. Yeah, my parents included. Yeah, yeah. like like these are not, you know, like yeah. sort of infidels no. or expats no. or heretics or whatever. People who are in these countries who are devout Muslims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who understand that this is an issue and are trying to do well, the prob- about. The problem we have in this country, and one of the reasons why I suspect it's, it's easier to, it's easier than it is here to to make an issue out of it and to be public about it, is that in in, in Britain, like, w- whether we like it or not, and it's really unfortunate, I, I I don't like it. But any kind of minority status, whether it's sort of we're talking about yeah. racial minority, ethnic minority, religious minority, whatever, there's a sort of platinum tier of restricted truth around anything to do yeah. with those issues, yeah. and so. Our political class, even in the Conservative Party, people on the alleged right of mm. British politics, even people like Jacob Rees-Mogg, yeah. will are, are just terrified of going anywhere near these basic human yeah. psychological and historical realities that you're you're talking about. How would you encourage our political class? Do we need? Do we just need a new political class, or do you think that they no, can break no. through these uh, uh, the, taboos? The, the, these problems that we are having, uh, politics is not the way to solve them. Mm. You know, so politics is downstream of culture, right? Unless you fix the culture, you're not doing. You're not going to get this, anything yeah, solved. This is what I worry about, though, because right? I do think there's something about British culture which makes some of these problems. It's, they're so unpalatable and so disgusting that like people can't stand to even talk about them. Mm. Yeah. And if you can't yeah. speak about a problem and identify yeah. it, yeah. you can't possibly be yeah. fixing it. It's true that there is something in the British character which lends itself to a certain amount of primness and properness, mm. and like there's this fear that if you talk about this cousin marriages or if you talk about that these are sort of low status things to talk about like you, you, you just a bit gross you, you, you out yourself mm. as a sort of 21st century julius striker like julius yeah. striker was the was the nazi who edited der Sturmer and like mm. would get, like you know talked in the most pornographic yeah. terms about jewish mm. jewish men raping german women and all that sort of thing like there's a fear that you're going to be mm. you know uh, um, you're going to be uh, pigeonholed mm. as his reincarnation yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so th- this is a huge problem, but whether we like, like minoritarianism, this sort of mm. fetishization of minorities is rotting our brains and it's, yeah. it's rotting our critical faculties. Yeah. It's making us in, yeah. unable to, yeah. to, to, to um, in, engage mm. in, a, in, in a renewal of, of, of Britain. And I, although I, I am sympathetic, I agree with you. I think Andrew Breitbart mm. was right, right when he said that um, politics is downstream of culture. That does not mean that you cannot engage. You cannot use political power to oh, try no, and recorrect. No, no. I'm not. I'm not saying correct. that at all. Yeah. I'm not saying that at all. I, I, what I'm saying is that you cannot fix it with politics alone, because mm. uh, politicians come from a culture. Mm. Politic. They are not aliens. Mm. They come from the society that mm. they are in. They mm. they are themselves a product of the environment. Right. Mm. If you don't have the right environment, you're going to get plastic politicians that we have right now. <laughs> yes. That they say who they are, but they're not really who they are. And they right? melt when it gets hot. And the thing is, they don't <laughs> even know who they are. Yeah. It's not their fault at all. Like they don't. They have no idea who they are. Right. They don't understand their own values. I see. So you're saying, yeah, I understand what you're right? saying. You're saying that Britain needs to go through a cultural renewal before this can can exactly. Can, can happen. And yeah. you don't have to go into the depths of the problem to fix the problems mm. as well, which are foreign to this country. All you have to do is eliminate foreign problems mm. from the country, right? Mm. And you don't have to. You don't have to know what the hell is going on in Pakistan. Who the hell cares? We shouldn't have to right? trouble ourselves yeah. with that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. We shouldn't have to. It's good to know. Once you have a huge mm. 
population of them living over here <laughs> yeah. and how to <laughs> deal with them. Yes. You already put them in the mess, right? Yes. The, the, but, home, the home office might need a department mm. of Pakistani I mean, experts. Right. But, well, if, but, but the British citizens shouldn't have to yeah, be one. But yeah, but they do. They do and they're working against Britain, right? Mm. Like, so oh, yeah. that's the other problem that we have, that we're allowing other people... Our own institutions to be subverted by these... Well, we have so many people who's like, we're saying, okay, if you're from Commonwealth, you can work in civil service. Are you sure? Mm. Are you sure about that? Because most of the Commonwealth countries are there for economical reasons. Mm -hmm. They have a trade agreement, right? Mm. They don't hold any loyalty to Britain. Mm. They, this, they, Britain needs to, this is where I do agree with Peter, Peter Hitchens on that. Like, uh, Britain has to come out of this mentality mm. that we still have an empire. Mm. Yeah. No, maybe... Know? I ask you one final question, maybe we can wrap up on this, is um, what do you think, because it's very interesting mm. for me to talk to you mm. as, uh, remind me, you're not a British citizen no, yet. I am. You are yeah, now, yeah, okay. For a while, yeah. Okay, um, see, it's weird for me coming in as the mm. non-Brit then, because I would say that you're much more British than I am, which there's a weird parallel. But what do you think would be the uh, the minimum requirements for an immigrant to become British? Um, no dual nationality at all. Okay. That, that you, you, it's written in the Bible as well. You cannot be loyal to two kings. Mm. Like it's everyone has known this for a very long time. That and yeah, taking an oath and actually upholding that oath. Mm. You know, and breaking that oath can be a condition of removal, I suppose. As it well. should be yeah. a condition of removal. Mm. English proficiency. If, if well, that goes without saying. Like you know, <laughs> no, no, you got to start out. Like <laughs> these days, no, it doesn't. <laughs> well, that, that's what I'm saying. Like those things should be yeah. so much of a given yeah. that we shouldn't even be talking about them. Mm. Like they, they should be that much of a given, right? And it's not as if like you exclude people, right? If you don't have, uh, if you don't want to uh, let go of your uh, nationality, then there are other ways of where you can stay within Britain yeah. if you want. You can, be like, a, you can be a guest worker or something well, like that. Yes. If we talk about it from the other way around, right? If we want to go to live in Spain and work in Spain for three years, because this is something that um, uh, Ben Ben Habib talked about mm. recently when he was talking with Peter, right? Mm. And I didn't agree with him when he said anyone who comes into Britain, they should be made to take an oath, have English proficiency. And so it's like, no, why are they coming over here? That's not the point of asking them those things, right? Mm. A, there should be a legitimate reason why they're coming over here. No illegals should be allowed anyways, right? If they're coming over here, they're coming for a job. They might be coming for two years, three years, four years, five years. That's the same as if we were going to Spain. Would you want British people to let go of their British nationality mm. just because they were going for three years? Have to speak Spanish and have to adhere to their kings and. I don't know. The Spanish might be actually a bit yeah, amenable to this at that no, point. No, but the thing is, like, you're going over there for work, and this has always happened. You go to different countries to work for five years, whatever, and you have your loyalties to your own country. Mm. That's completely fine. The problem is when it comes to you trying to take the citizenship, right? Apply for the citizenship. Mm. That's where we have to draw the line. It's like, mm. no, this. We have to stop giving our nationality like it's some sort of bloody Tesco club card that we just give it to anyone and mm. everyone, right? Just put your email down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 1300 quid, pay 1300 quid, do this test. One of the most easiest tests that mm. I've ever done. I think so. I finished it. I took more time putting my things in their locker than doing the test. Like, yeah, yeah. Th that's how quick I did yeah. that See, test. I did the American test. It was actually quite hard. Any test should be that hard. Mm. So my wife is from Poland, right? And she has not taken, she, she has been there for over 10 years. She has not taken British nationality because she's a very proud Pole, you know, why should she? But she's been mm. given permanent residency, right? So she's living away, she sure. respects the country, she loves the country and stuff. But when it comes down to it, she's a proud Polish person. Yeah. So I don't think so. There's a problem when it comes to that sort of dealing that mm. we shouldn't make her be completely English, sure, lose sure, all sure. her culture, Indeed, yeah. everything. Yeah. That doesn't matter. It's just when she comes to get the nationality, then we should say, well, you, you have yeah. to be a national. Yeah. Then. Well, yeah, we should stop with the systematic devaluation of what it means to be British. But yeah. Mo, Mo, thank you so much for mm. joining us on Deprogram. Evan, thanks as ever. You've been watching Deprogrammed. Make sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment if you wish, and we shall see you on the next one.
Hello, if you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you. Thank you.